Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I, I, it's not the morning. I just wanted to see if you'd go along with it. Oh, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. <laughs> all these days are just blending into one and so are the hours. <laughs> well, good morning to everyone listening. At the time of recording, it's 2.39pm, so it is um, a little bit past the morning, but that's okay. Uh, how are you, Steffi? I'm good. Sun is shining. I feel like I repeat myself every time the sun is shining, but it really does make a difference to my mood. So I'm feeling good. Um, I'm feeling optimistic and positive about hopefully getting out of lockdown soon. Just keeping my mind on the positives. How are you? Yes, I, I'm, I'm the same. I feel like I have to say this year, the podcast, if it's sunny, it's literally how we start every episode. It's all it's that's sunny. happening for yeah, us. True. I'm sorry, but like other than like a new kick update, because we've obviously been working still in this time, um, which has been great to have as a distraction, I will say. But other than that, we're not like catching up with anyone or going anywhere. So really the weather is the next best thing to talk about. Perfect. I agree. I. Per- <laughs> oh my goodness. I've just, perfect. you know what I've just done? I've just read something that's just come through and said perfect to you when I meant to say, I agree. Sorry about that. Let me um close that while we do this. So I have got, this is not my special share, but I've actually got some random thoughts that I've had during the week. And what I'm doing now, I write them down in my notes and I wrote podcasts, mm. write podcasts, so then I can tell you about them. Okay. Care factor. 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) So first of all, I'm very sorry that last week I said the wrong name for my special share, but no one followed me up on it, which means people either either don't care about my special share, which is totally cool, or they worked it out themselves. Yeah. So I'm just going to hope to go with number two. Anyway, so (laughs) the other thing I wanted to share which is not my special share because with our special shares, we write them out in our show notes in case you're wondering again, probably zero care factor. But um, this one would be a strange one to write in the show notes. So that's why it's not my special share. But I have recently started before Dalton and I go to bed, if we do read, I will read it out so we can Mm -hmm. both listen. So I have learned in doing this, that I don't know how to pronounce a lot of words that I thought I did because I'm so used to just reading it. Then when I go to say it, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I Mm. am not used to using this word. Anyway, it's making me, I feel like over time, hopefully it will help improve my vocab because I'm now having to, like, understand really what a word means instead of just reading super fast and I'm learning how to pronounce it. But it has, Dalt's pronunciation is a lot better than mine. Because, But every time I get to a word I can't read, I'm like, okay, how do I read this word? <laughs> always an opportunity to learn. you always find it. Um, but you're right. That would have been probably a little bit too long to put in a special share. <laughs> Good to know, though. This is right. I would agree. I, I'd agree, though. I, I um, uh, Oh, God. I was going to say a few weeks ago, but it was definitely a few months ago. Um. I was reading Josh to sleep when he was really struggling with um, his insomnia and I felt the same. I mean, Josh is, he, out of the both of us, we're both not that great with English, but I'm definitely better than him. And um, so I feel like I wasn't, 
It's not like when I came to a word I couldn't pronounce yet. I think half the time I just said something else and he wouldn't question it because <laughs> he doesn't know any better. So, um, But I did realise that I do the same thing. When you read over something, you kind of just like assume you know what it means or how it would be said. But then when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, I actually don't know how to say that word. <laughs> exactly. And you just, you, I mean, because you have so much context, you don't really have to even look it up. But anyway, that, that was a rogue. What did you think of that random thought? Approved? Um, Does it stay in the uh, intro or is it going to be cut out? It can stay in the intro. It can stay in the intro. But what's your special share? Okay. Also, I just want to say Steph has never cut anything out that I've said in the intro. She's not like some like intro person that's like, <laughs> I'm in control. Um, my special share or is... have I? Oh, no, you haven't. <laughs> um, so my, my special share is a, lo- a, yo- a logi, well, a yoga flow from the kick app. And it is actually Good. your favourite yoga flow from the kick app. Is my that, special share is something from the kick app. Is it the yoga flow? This was absolutely not planned. No, it's not. Continue. Okay. What's your favourite yoga flow called? Because it always escapes my mind. Cosmic Bliss. Yes. Cosmic Bliss with Karen. I just love it. And I do it twice a week. And I know I should try the classes. That's what the point of having so many options on there is. But I just love it. So that is my special yeah. share. And what is yours? I'm, I would agree with you on that one. And I think the reason why I want to do it so much more is because one day I want to be able to do the splits. I want to be able to get yes. into the dragon splits and go all the way down to the floor. So I think it makes sense as to if you really like the stretch and you really like the flow that you're going to continue doing that. Because then you, one day you'll just be able to just do the whole flow without even looking at the screen and... You know what's funny about that? When what? Karen does the splits in the flow, I have never thought, oh, one day I'll be able to do that. I've just thought, <laughs> geez, you're flexible. And I've never thought it was an option for me, but maybe I should be more optimistic and um, open about my yoga flexibility and what my body can truly stretch to. <laughs> it definitely is a good flow for you, especially as a runner. You need to try one of Jamie's yin classes. It's... Um, Obviously, it's very, you know, you've got to be patient with it. It's a lot of stretching, but it's probably very good for you and your legs with the amount of running you do. I can't remember the name of it, but I think in the description it says something about being good for opening up the hips or legs or something. It was tough when I did it, but it was like a good tough if you're really stretched afterwards. Okay, I tried that. Thank you very much. What is your special share? Okay, my special share is actually from the kick up as well, and it is the childhood chalk crackles. And I have to say, I know, I mean, if people, I know Laws, you'll remember, but if people have been following me for a while, you will remember how obsessed I was with our, which I still am, by the way, I just haven't made it in a while, but the Radical Rocky Road from our program. I would make that at least once a week, and then I'd keep it in my freezer and just have it to snack on whenever I felt like it. Um, I've done that with the Chalk Crackles this week and I'm obsessed. So I'm going to probably make that my new creature. Um, what am I, what do you say I am? I'm a creature. Creature of of habit. Habit. And that is probably (laughs) what I'm going to do (laughs) every single week now is make these childhood Chalk Crackles because they're such, like, they're such a good snack and they're so yummy. Um, so that is my recommendation if you're in the kick up to check that snack out. Thank you. Also, I I forgot. I didn't mean to say creature of habit. I meant to say creature of the night. Oh, God. That's not what I am. (laughs) That's not what I am. All right, moving on, because this is going to be a really long intro. Before we get into today's guest, which very excited about sharing this chat with you guys, we wanted to just touch on our October Kick Fit Challenge um, 
if any of you are going along with it, like, well done. That's It's so awesome. Um, and we hope you're feeling really encouraged and motivated and checking in on your goals. But we just wanted to talk about a live that's coming up. We've got this Saturday's World Mental Health Day. So we've got um, the yogi, actually, teacher that I was speaking of earlier, Jamie. He will be doing a live yoga class at 10.30 a.m., on our Instagram. So you don't have to be a part of the Keeper Cleaner app to join in on that one. Feel free to do that. And then the next day, Sunday, you'll have Laws and I on a live and we're going to be making the soccer pizza. So feel free to either just watch us and enjoy <laughs> a little cooking show for the night or if you want, if you are in the app, uh, look up soccer pizza and make sure you get your ingredients ready to follow along with us. Absolutely agree. And we hope you're enjoying the challenge. I think what would be lovely, Steffi, next Mm. week, what about in our intro next week, we touch on the goals that I know we've kind of spoken about them a little bit, but let's talk about the goals that we've chosen for October. Uh, Basically to stop me from going rogue with some new thing that I've come up with during the week. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so now the reason you are all here today is to listen Mm. to our podcast with Lee Campbell. Now, we actually booked in a recording with Lee Campbell. It was probably a year ago when when we were meant to be in Sydney and, and we've been wanting to speak with her ever since. And I suppose being in lockdown has been an amazing opportunity to be able to speak to guests in other states that we usually we wouldn't be able to do it unless we were there. So Lee is a huge inspiration for so many reasons. She's had an amazing career. She is now the executive editor at Mamma Mia and she's the host of two of her own podcasts. She's also got an amazing, just the way she speaks about kind of how to progress in your career and her advice is something that I think you will all benefit so much from. Mm. And then the other thing um, that Lee touches on in this conversation and and we feel so lucky that she opened up to us was about her struggles with conceiving her beautiful baby that she has now. And we go into um, kind of how she, yeah, what she went through and going through IVF Mm. and and all of those things. So we hope you enjoy it. Lee, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to speak to you. Thank you for having, I was going to say thank you for having me here, but thank you for having me (laughs) on Zoom. (laughs) And we'd love to start with how you are going at the moment, which might be a little bit different than we are going in Melbourne. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess at the time of recording, I'm up in Sydney, obviously, so you guys have been through it. We are up in Sydney, we're pretty good. I mean, we're wearing masks when we go to the shopping centre and stuff like that, but COVID-related, it's okay up here, fingers crossed. Um... So going well, all things considered, there's lots of silver linings of 2020. We can work from home a lot. So we're either working from home or in the office. It's really nice to have um, a balance. So I think that's sort of the silver lining. I was on mat leave for half the year and then have gone back to work. So having the option to do a, some from home, some from the office, pick up my son right on five o'clock. It's actually been really good considering what a shocking year it's been. Yeah, we've spoken to a few mums and they've kind of had that same answer. I mean, I, th- I think obviously if you have multiple children at home, it can, it can also be a handful, but it, it has also been a really nice time to just slow things down and spend more time with the family. That's the thing. I mean, my son, again, up in Sydney can go to daycare, so I'm so lucky because mm. those Melbourne and Victoria parents, oh my God, I take my hat off <laughs> to them. But it's been really beautiful because I can, you know, pick him up right on time. Or my husband, who's been working at, from home since March as well, he's been having lunch breaks with him and can finish right at five and do bath time so there's definitely been a balance but we're not at homeschooling 
time and he's still going to daycare three days a week. If he was home full time and we were trying to work, I know that's a whole other story. So I'm thanking my lucky stars. (laughs) Well, we'd like to start by touching on journalism and your career to date. Can you please take us back to the first day at Shop Till You Drop? Oh my God. That's, well, I was 21. So that was like almost... 20 years ago, not really, about 17 years ago, so a long time ago. I never wanted to work in magazines, to be honest with you. I read them, like I would always buy Cleo and Dolly on the, you know, they came out every two weeks, um, and I'd buy them, but purely just like something to read on the bus, really. I wasn't obsessed. Mm And then I accidentally just fell into mags and was offered a job at Shop to You Drop magazine when it launched. And oh my God, that was just the best magazine because it was really just a beautiful catalogue of things to buy. My first day was terrifying because there was all these fancy, beautiful women in nice clothes. <laughs> and I remember getting, I th- my parents had given me some money or something, I was poor, or I'd just got paid, I can't remember. And I went to Supre and I bought like everything. And that was my whole like magazine girl outfit. And it was when that like whole pastel phase was in and there was like these hideous earrings. I look back now, but I thought I was killing it. Uh, And that was my start at mags. Good old shop to drop. Oh, I think you would have been killing it. If you were head to toe in Supreme back then, that I, was, I did that was cool. <laughs> feel pretty special. I thought I was pretty cool. And now I look back and I, I mean, I go into those shops now with my niece and I'm like, oh my God, where's the rest of that dress? Um, but at the time I thought I was amazing. Yeah. I remember the singlets. I had like five mm. of the one mm-hmm. spaghetti strap singlet with a little rush. And you layered them? Yes. <laughs> yes. And you just had all the colors and so did everyone. But for some reason it didn't matter. Everyone just had them. <laughs> <laughs> so what Lee did you want to do before? you got into journalism and got the job at Shop Till You Drop? Yeah, I wanted to do interiors. I wanted to do interior design or interior styling. And I studied that at the White House Institute here in Sydney. And I thought I would go and do that. And even getting into magazines, I thought, oh, this is fun. And, you know, it was a paying job, which I needed. Um, But I still always thought I would leave and go and do interiors in some way. But instead, the universe sent me on a path of lifestyle editor, which is still, you know, interior based. We were shooting in beautiful beautiful people's homes and styling still life like homewares so it was kind of related and that's how I sold it to my parents they were like when are you going to use that expensive education and I was like I sort of am Um, but then yeah almost 20 years later I'm still in women's media and interiors is not happening but I just love it so much to leave and you started obviously at shop till you drop and then you went to into beauty is that right yes, at Cosmo? And you took yeah. Can you speak through how you got that job because that was Zoe Foster Blake's job? It mm. was. At- I took Zoe's big shoes <laughs> to fill. So I was at shop for about four years, and I worked my way up through various roles. I was picture editor, who the job of a picture editor is to source all the paparazzi and images, shots for the magazine. Then I went um, up to lifestyle editor, and then the editor of Cosmo at the time said, "Hey." Are you interested in a beauty role? And I was like, oh, I really loved makeup and stuff, but I was like, oh, I don't know. And it was Zoe's role. She was moving on to Harper's Bazaar. And then I heard that every man and their dog was going for this job. And then I'm quite competitive in that way. And so I thought, okay, now I really want it. Um, And so I got the job and I remember the handover with Zoe. So close, you know, she was so like, I was like a sponge. I was like, teach me everything. And she was like, in half an hour. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I got the role, the beauty role at Cosmo, which at the time Cosmo was the biggest selling magazine in the world and Mm. the beauty role at that magazine was so um, prestigious. So I was like, oh, wow, now I've got to do the work. Um, But ended up loving it. I was at Cosmo for eight years as beauty editor and beauty director. 
um, before I moved to digital and I just loved it. Like they were the golden years of magazines. We got to do so much fun stuff, so many cool events and it was just when magazines were at their best, I think, and I'm just so thankful. Like eight years is a long time at a place and a lot of people would say for career progression you should probably move on and I thought, yeah, but I love it. And so I did stay for quite some time. Yes, and especially, I mean, as you said, it's, the industry has changed so much. And before we go on to your role now as executive editor at Mamma Mia, which, which is amazing, we'd love to touch on how you feel about the switch in the industry because obviously when you started, magazines were... The, the everything and, and I remember you know buying that magazine every month or whatever magazine you bought was the most exciting part of your month and now it's obviously mm-hmm. all changed to digital you worked through that and you kind of transitioned at just the right time how how did it make you feel with with it all changing around you yeah it, you know what it was really sad on a micro level I did not want to get out of magazines I loved magazines so much like you can't compare to holding the magazine and flipping through the pages and mm. you know tearing out pages keeping them and I didn't want that to be over but at the same time on a on a macro level none of my friends were buying magazines anymore I wasn't really buying magazines I'd maybe read one at the hairdresser or going on a flight would be the only place I'd buy like you know UK Vogue or something and so I had to stop and think and and realize that the industry was going a certain way and if I wanted a career I needed to do that so I did finally leave Cosmo. (laughs) I remember when I left, everyone was like, what? You are Cosmo. Um, But I uh, moved to Huffington Post, which was launching in Australia as their head of lifestyle there, and which was a great title to move on. But I didn't know how to use digital. I didn't know how to use like a CMS. And I remember starting at HuffPost and they were like, okay, off you go. And I was like, oh, I can't use the internet. And they were like, oh, you don't have any digital experience. But I had, I knew what readers wanted to read. And I think that was what mattered, but it was very different going from a monthly magazine to a daily and hourly publication whereby everything needs to be so timely whereas magazines you work monthly magazines you work three months in advance so it was very different um but I had to make the jump because that's where the industry was going and as sad as it is and I'm still so sad for what's happened to magazines you know a whole bunch just closed the other month a lot of my friends lost their jobs and I don't think that news surprised anybody but you can still be really sad about it you know there's no CD shops really anymore. There's no blockbusters. We just have to go with the times and whatever's next, you need to embrace it if you want to you know, be current in your career. And how did you feel from going from, obviously being beauty editor at Cosmo, the, you had all the lunches and, and, and obviously you work very, very, very hard and you worked very hard to get there, but being a beauty editor is such an amazing job with, with all the perks that comes with it. How did you decide to, obviously you knew the industry was changing, but you would have gone into such a different role at Huffington Post. Was that a hard decision or did you just know it was the right thing because you could see the industry changing around you? Look, it was a less fun decision, if I'm honest. Like being a beauty editor is a lot of responsibility because for a magazine, most of the money comes from beauty advertising. You don't really make much money by selling magazines. You make it by selling the pages within the magazine of which they're normally for foundation or fragrance. So the beauty editor's role really was to go to lunch and go to dinner and kind of do all, it looks like you're at a party, but you're actually working. Whereas digital's much less glamorous. Um, there's really no time for big long lunches or and events because you've got stories that are due every few hours or your team is handing stories in every few hours that you're publishing. So there's less of the zhuzhi fun. It's still really fun, but 
you're also far more accountable because as soon as a story goes live, you can see the traffic on that story. Whereas with a magazine, you just go, oh, that was pretty. I hope they liked it. <laughs> um, so digital's great in that way because you learn very quickly what people want to click on, what they don't want to click on. Interestingly, we can even see, you know, on Facebook what people want to share, but they're not necessarily reading. So a lot of people might share environmental stories wanting to be seen as the type of person that cares about that but might not even read the story itself. So digital's amazing in so many other ways, but yeah, definitely not as cushy and and um, glam as like, you know, the magazines, like the movies, sorry, and the, you know, people would assume it's just, it's not that, it's hard work. So for journalism students or really anyone who were aspiring to work in the magazine industry, knowing it's changed, what would your advice be to them? Uh, I'd... I wouldn't aspire to work in magazines, to be honest, because <laughs> I don't think there's going to be many left. Mm. I think the likes of Vogue will maybe survive because it's Vogue. I think interior mags will still survive because there's some sort of escapism with your Vogue livings and your bells and mm. stuff like that. And then I think specialty magazines will survive. So like Caravan Weekly or Knitting Daily, or you know, those really kind of specialist titles, I think they'll survive. Mm. But anything to do with women's um, women's media and current affairs, it, it's just, it moves so rapidly now, it needs to be digital. There's no time for mm. going to print. So sure, aspire to create that type of content, but the platform's just going to have to change. You're going to have to go digital. And I get um, a lot of people reach out to me on social media and say, you know, what should I do? I've always wanted to be a writer. And I just say, just write, you know, start mm. a blog. You don't have to hit publish or you don't have to put it on your socials, but just start writing so that when you feel confident and you've developed that skill, you've got something to show, you know, because it's, mm. you've got it, everyone's got a resume or a CV, but you need to show your skill in writing and forget about where it's going to be. Forget about print versus digital and just get the words out there and hone your skills that way. Mm. And you then went to Mamma Mia, which is yes. such an incredible platform for women. And there's, there's just, it, especially for young women coming up in journalism, a lot of them aspire to work at Mamma Mia. What has that been like for you and how did you make the decision to move from HuffPost to there? Yeah. Well, interestingly, I didn't make the decision. Uh, HuffPost Australia closed and we were all made redundant. And I say to people in media, if you're not made redundant once in media, you're not doing it right. It's just <laughs> the game at the moment. There's so many redundancies. But still, that was hard from an ego perspective because mm. I lost my job. It was right before Christmas. I didn't know what I was going to do. And mm. that's really hard when you think you've built this thing for so long and then you're just kind of like, hey, I'm just Lee Campbell that might end up working at Sports Girl and my, my job is not attached to who I am anymore. And that was a really interesting process, actually, because I thought, oh, who am I then? Um, but I had been chatting to Mia and the team for a little while and I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And then I was like, hey, remember me? I lost my job. Do you want to chat? Uh, and they were brilliant. I, I went in and had a bunch of meetings and we realised that there was some work that I could do there. So I started at Mamma Mia. That was, um, gosh, coming up to three years ago now. And it's really great. It's a crazy place to work. It's, it's editorials, mostly women. Um, and then there's, there is some men there. People are surprised that men work there, <laughs> but they're um, mostly in the commercial team and, and dev team. It's great. It's just, it's good because it's a small business in that Mia is the creative director and her husband, Jason, is the CEO. So if you have a wacky, great idea, it's really likely to get off the ground if it's got legs. Whereas, you know, traditional media agencies and companies, there's a lot of red tape, there's a lot of bosses that you've never actually seen. So it's a really good place to um, spread your wings and learn how to do a lot of things. 
Um, and I was executive editor full time. And then I've come back from mat leave the last few months. I had 14 months off to have a baby. Um, and now I'm still executive editor, but only three days a week. So my main uh, roles are working on the two podcasts that I do. So I do You Beauty, which is all about makeup and foundation and lipstick, and it's the best. And obviously, I get to use my 20 years of beauty knowledge. And then the other one is This Glorious Mess Little Kids, which is a parenting podcast for parents with little kids. And that's the life stage I'm at. So it's really great that through work, I get to explore my passion, which is beauty, and then my life stage, which is parenting. And they pay me to do it. Like, it's, it's great. <laughs> I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky that they've just let me develop my, um, the, the, develop the role around where I'm at in my life because it's my two passion points at the moment. And do you also look after a team at Mamma Mia? I did. I looked after the whole editorial team before, um, but I just think looking after a 14-month-old son, I don't think I could look after <laughs> 20 young women. I mean, I still do. I develop them um, from a mentor perspective, but they don't report into me daily, aka can I have a day off or I'm sick, only because the capa- for, you know, capacity-wise I couldn't handle that, but I definitely do kind of still mentor the team. And I love, we have such a great team. Everyone's so fun and so different and so hardworking. Um, yeah, it feels like this big family that sometimes fight, but, but for the most part, create amazing content. Something you've spoken about before, which I love to hear you speak about, is how there's a really big difference between having a career and having a job and how you're able to kind of identify that in people. And especially because the media industry is just so competitive. Can you share that advice with our listeners? I think, I think it's so valuable. Yeah, I mean, I think it, coming through media particularly it can attract two types of people. Media does look very shiny and glittery and fun, and it is, but it's also a lot, a lot of hard work, and it's not just a nine-to-five. And so I saw a lot of people come into the media industry wanting to do all the fun stuff but not wanting to do the hard work. And then you also just see people that want to clock on at nine and clock off at five and not kind of do any extras. And I'm not saying you should be doing all this overpaid, I mean, sorry, unpaid overtime. (laughs) That's not what it's about. But you can just see from someone's attitude if they're there to build a career or if they just want to get paid to do a job. Um, And it's quite you know, easy to identify that in someone if you would just observe them for a little while. Um, And I think the people that really lean into their career in that you know, they make friends with their workplace. They they really make their job work with them instead of thinking, oh, my employer's working against me and that I had to, you know, work through my lunch break that one time. And so you really just, if you want to um, go far and have a long career, you really have to lean into just, just doing it. You know, if, if the fruit box has been left by the lift and it's normally someone else's job to put it in the kitchen and you go into the kitchen anyway, just pick up the fruit box and take it. It doesn't matter mm. what your role is. Just be a team player, you know. And I think that's why I've built a, a really great career because I did that for so long. But it's interesting now being a mum, of course I still want a career, but I don't have as many hours in the day. You know, I, I don't always want to log back on at nine o'clock after the baby's in bed. So it's now interesting where I'm at because... I'm lucky that I did the groundwork while I could mm. to now have the respect and have the balance, I think, later on in life. Oh, God, I sound like I'm 80. <laughs> um, but to younger people, I would just say, you know, get in there, get messy, do it all. You know, not that you shouldn't complain, of course, if something's unfair, but otherwise just yeah. learn from every experience and, and take what you can learn from it and just say yes. And, you know, getting that'll get you where you want to go. Oh, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It was similar, I remember, Laws, when we spoke to um, 
Rage and Test from one too. They said similar things about the industry of PR. You know, I think a lot of young people get into it thinking similarly to, to media that it's just going to be all kind of like fun and events and stuff. And, you know, it's only the ones that really da- get down with the, the little jobs that not necessarily anyone really wants to do, yeah. but they know that it's it's going to kind of build their... Um, it turned into a career, not so Every job. job has boring spreadsheets and mm, boring yeah. things to do and you can't <laughs> avoid it and you've just got to get it done. And then the fun will come and it's all about the balance. Absolutely. And speaking of balance and your other passion you mentioned before, Lee, um, we would absolutely love it if you could touch on your incredible story that you often really selflessly, and it's so beautiful how honest you are and how raw and open you are about your story with fertility and your struggles getting pregnant and now having the beautiful Alexander. Um, For those in the community who don't know your story, would you mind kind of talking us through that? Yeah. Well, interestingly, I never really thought I wanted kids. I was kind of like, yeah, that's not for me. Um, And then my husband and I were married and travelled a bit, you know, for a year or so and I was about 34 and then I thought oh actually you're pretty great I could have kids with you and I realized that it was the partners I was with before that made me not want to have kids and so we were both like yeah okay let's do this and then we didn't fall pregnant the first month or second month or third month and I was like oh how rude all those years I've you know panicked that I was pregnant or tried not to get (laughs) pregnant and now it's not happening Um, And long story short, it took us three years to have our son. Um, We had three rounds of IVF, 52 eggs all together that were all no good and eventually just said, look, it's not going to happen. So we ceased doing IVF, of course. Two months after that, we felt pregnant naturally. Um, But there were some miscarriages in there and it was quite a journey. And it Mm. it was not even, you know, anywhere near as bad as what a lot of other couples and women go through. But it was enough for us to really go, you know, we're not happy now. We feel like our lives been on hold for a few years. We really need to just stop and enjoy each other. Of course, bloody felt pregnant. Terrified, terrified, (laughs) terrified the entire time. You know, got to the 12-week scan and everything was fine. And then got to the 20-week scan and everything was fine. And uh, then I turned to my husband. I was like, I think we're having a baby. And he was like, yeah. And then we did. And we have a really healthy, beautiful son who's 15 months old, um, which I still just can't even believe. Another strange thing with parenting is once you become a parent, you don't feel like a parent. You still just feel like a teenager. (laughs) crazy responsibility um but yeah it was a tough road to get him but I wouldn't change a thing although I'd like all the money back from IVF Mm. um (laughs) it's expensive but no I wouldn't change a thing it was we learned a lot about each other um it actually made our relationship stronger although very stressful at the time um yeah and he's the hardest you know we fought so hard for him and we absolutely adore him He's so beautiful. Like, he's quite a gorgeous he's child. I'll say that as a, an outsider. <laughs> as the parents, we're like, is he good looking? Yeah, he's really yes. good looking. But then you don't know if that's just the hormones. He is. But we, we think he's pretty cute. Uh, Lee, how did you... I remember when um, you told your story through your blog about how hard it was for you. And I was following your pregnancy journey so closely. And, and I remember, I think you shared when you were about 20 weeks on social media but but of course it would have been so hard to share because of everything you'd you'd been through before and then I remember for literally the next 20 weeks for your pregnancy I would check your page every day because (laughs) I was I was so invested in in everything you'd been through and just and I was I I was not worried for you but I I didn't want it not to 
turn out for you so I just badly. wanted you to yeah. have your baby and it to all be healthy and so this is me an outsider that's you know never <laughs> met you <laughs> just has followed you on social media I would love to know for you what what it was like in in your mind from in your head from like you know that 20 week point to even the pregnancy when you had your birth mm. how did you get through that worry and and try and enjoy it it was really hard. I have to, like, I still get a lot of women saying, how did you get past the anxiety? And mm. I was like, well, I mm. just didn't really. You know, you just have to deal with it. But I did. there was no coping mechanism that made it go away. When we were pregnant and we went to the first scan and there was a heartbeat, I was like, oh, my God. Like, it surprised me because I'd been on that table before where there was no heartbeat. And as it progressed, I guess I relaxed a little bit, but still in the back of my mind was, when is this going to go wrong? Never thinking is this, you know, this, we're going to have a baby in our arms. And I had a lot of therapy, which really helped. And I, for, I hate finding the right therapist because you can talk to so many and just not click with them. But it took me a couple to find the right one. And I'm so glad I did now. So if anyone's on that journey of, you know, you've got to be bothered to find the right person to Mm. talk to it really really helped and then right up to the end you know Alexander was a lazy baby he didn't move a lot and that panicked me so I was at my obstetrician every five seconds going he's not moving or it's not moving I didn't know what he was and she was fantastic if you've got good um medical staff they'll always listen to you and help you with your anxieties they won't say oh no go away you know they understand (laughs) what's at stake and then I was induced in the end because I was so anxious about something going wrong Um, I was induced a week early just so that we were in control of when the baby came and all that sort of stuff. So that really helped. But it's still, yeah, I don't have a magic answer to that. It's just a really, it's the most incredibly exciting but terrifyingly anxious time. And I think even friends that haven't struggled with infertility still feel anxious because it's so foreign. And do you have, mm. I, I suppose, speaking of advice, and I don't know what the advice would be, and I, I don't think there's a, obviously a perfect answer to this, but for women that are struggling to get pregnant, because I think, as you said, you kind of just expect, especially because we spend so much of much time of our lives trying, you know, being on the pill and, and making sure we don't get pregnant, <laughs> that when you come off those things, you kind of expect, you know, a lot of us in our like life plans will say, I'm going to have a child at, you know, 32 years old or whatever it might be. But we don't take into account the fact that it actually might not happen straight away for us. For women that are going through what you did and, and struggling to get pregnant and going through IVF, do you have any advice for them or, or just things that they can focus on to make it easier? Yeah, I mean, you really just have to protect yourself and put yourself first. I got to the stage where I just couldn't go to any more baby showers. I'd smiled through that many baby showers and been to that Mm -hmm. many baby shops to buy gifts and I just would come home. And it wasn't that I was jealous. It's just that it felt like... I'd been to 20 and I was still trying and I and yeah. I wasn't jealous of those particular pe- people. I just desperately wanted to be in that club and it felt like there was a club that I was kind of invited to watch but I'm not allowed to be part of. And it's hard because then your friends will also want to protect you so they'll leave you out of their kids, you know, young kids' birthday parties or they'll have separate mum conversations, which I understand but you feel so excluded from this special club. So I would say, you know, protect yourself if you can't go to the baby showers, if you can't follow that pregnant person, whatever it is, do what you can to protect, you know, your heart and your feelings. But at the same time, have conversations with your partner and your friends and say, you know, please don't leave me out of these your life mm. stages. Let me decide because you deciding to leave me out feels me makes me feel more excluded from a club that I desperately want to be in. And, mm. you know, they should be in control of deciding you know, how much they want to participate, I guess, in that life stage that other friends are in. 
Oh, totally. 100%. Did you have anyone that you were close with that had gone through anything like like what you did to have, like, I don't know, have a conversation that you could kind of relate to them in any way? I did. So I've got a girlfriend, Lauren. She had done a couple rounds of IVF um, before I even started. She mm. was a friend of a friend and, and then we connected over Instagram and then obviously real life and she had been there, you know. So when I started IVF, I was like, eek, needles, what do I do? And she helped me with that. And what does this mean? What is this term? Mm because it's all so foreign. Um, and she just became my lifeline and we would chat. And I remember actually being in a baby shower with her and we obviously were both not pregnant and we were both looking at each other like, let's just grab these two babies and run. Um, <laughs> and she is due with her first baby in about five Aww. weeks. So she went. She had five years of infertility, nine rounds of IVF. And, you know, that was so hard because I then fell pregnant um, mm. and I felt so bad because... I had got there first and she was trying longer and it's just so hard. But yeah, if you do Mm. have someone to chat to, uh, you know, oftentimes you connect over social media. I don't know if her and I would have ever developed a friendship if it wasn't for what we were going through. So having someone that's been through it or going through it really, really helps because you can just text a couple words of how disappointed you are when your period comes or whatever it may be and they just get it. Mm. Whereas partners try and get it, but men are just dumb <laughs> no, they're not dumb they're just going to fix it mode and and you don't want yeah. to be fixed you just want someone to listen and so having a yeah. girlfriend that just gets it really makes things easier yeah totally now what was it like would love to know your feelings and emotions because I know it's different for everyone I actually had a girlfriend who um had her bub and she opened up to me about and um was quite raw with me about how she was upset she didn't get that initial kind of like I'm in love with my baby straight up and where was that real excitement? Like, you know, she was just kind of so scared and just wanted the labour to be over. It took her a while to actually grow that connection. But I suppose with Alexander, it was such a journey you were on. What what was it like getting to hold him for the <sighs> first time? Oh, my God, it was crazy. I I was induced but um, ended up having to have a caesarean 32 hours after I was induced. Mm-hmm. So by that stage, I was delirious because I was induced on a Thursday night and he came on a Saturday morning and so I'd had no sleep. I didn't even care at that stage so like we're gonna have Mm. to give you a c-section I was like I don't care what happens (laughs) get this thing out um and I remember being on the table and my obstetrician who's incredible she said I'm gonna birth your baby now put your head up and I was like what and she's like sit up so you can see and so she propped my neck up and of course the baby was coming out of my tummy not my vagina but they still made it feel like a birth and and lifted the baby out onto my chest and then she said tell everyone what it is and right into my face was what it was. I was like, it's a boy. Um, so it was really special that she made it still feel really intimate. And my husband was there. It was mm. beautiful. Um, and then when you're holding your baby for the first time, it just did not feel real. I was just yeah. staring at him. And he looked like a googly mess. And I was just like, whoa, like, you're my child. But, you know, I didn't have that rush of, like, love at the start. I guess I was more like, now what? Like, Mm. (laughs) tell me what to do. People, don't don't leave me alone. Like, what do I do with this thing? But, yeah, it's just the most surreal, special, incredible. Mm. Like, it's just wild. It's pretty amazing. Women are amazing. What's your favourite thing about being a mum? Um... Oh, gosh. It's just him. Like, you just hear them giggle and you just think your heart is going to explode. And he started, I think he started on the weekend saying, Mama, he's 15 months old, but he thinks my name's Ball because he's obsessed with balls. (laughs) So he says Dada, he says Cat, he says Bear. But then when I go to pick him up at daycare, he goes, Ball, Ball. (laughs) 
And I'm like, yeah, ball's here, let's go. Um, and But he said on the weekend, mum, 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 a little bit. And you just, like the little things they do, it's amazing. Because you know what, being a mum is hard. I didn't love maternity leave. I don't always love being a mum, but I love mm-hmm. him. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they can be separate. You know, I don't want to just think about if there's enough mandarins in the fridge for the baby. Like there's a lot of admin that goes along with being a mum that's not fun. But then obviously the little tiny person just makes it all worth it. I think it's really nice for you to speak about that too. I, I, it makes so much sense that it's right being a mum mm. and loving your child it can be so different. And I don't think many people speak about that. They're, well, And they are so different. I mean, it's it, my husband and I have really equal roles in that he does probably more of the housework type stuff. He does all like the cleaning, but the mental load with... You know, being a mum like Alexander's at the moment got low iron, so he's got to have two supplements a day. He's got an appointment with a surgeon in the next three three weeks. He's got this, this, and my husband doesn't have any of that mental load. I carry all of that because I, when I was on mat leave, of course that made sense. Now I'm back working, of course I still carry all that load. So there's all this kind of like really important things to remember that are unrelated to the child, but. Not unrelated to the child, but unrelated to the joy you get with playing with the child. But that's a lot of what parenting is and mothering is, is that Mm. like that overwhelm of load of like what size nappies are in? Do we have enough this, that? That stuff's not fun. No one wants to do that. But you got to do it to look after a little tiny human. So I love him so, so much, but I don't really love all the other stuff about being a (laughs) mum. Love that. That's so great. And to finish off, we would love to know what your advice to your younger self would be. It can be to do with anything. Yeah, I think about this because I don't know that I'd give her any. Because I think she, younger Lee, had to go through everything she went through. She dated a whole bunch of idiots and (laughs) made some wrong decisions. Like nothing crazy wrong, but just I think... I don't think I'd give my younger self any advice because I don't think I would be where I am now in such a happy relationship and really content in my life had she taken a different course with that advice. So I just think I'd let her go for it. I love that. I love that so much because it's so true. And I think um, I think if I was to give my younger self some advice, that she probably wouldn't have listened to me anyway. <laughs> but um, it, it is so true. I think that whether they're mistakes or somewhat of a negative journey you might have gone on, you do learn so much from them. So it's quite beautiful exactly. um, to say. And who wants to live a perfectly straight line? Uh, you know, you've got to go down the wrong roads and the dead ends and all that sort of stuff because that's what life's all about. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much, Lee, for joining us on on the podcast and being so open and and sharing so much with us. Our community will appreciate it so much. And we've loved chatting to you. Thank you so much for having me. We hope you guys enjoyed that chat. She was such a delight to chat to. And as you said earlier in the podcast, Laws, I just felt so... um, it was so nice how open she was about it. And I know she's she's been that open over social media. And I just think that's not only brave, but it's really admirable. And I know she would have helped so many women and will continue to help so many other women who go through the same kind of struggles. So thank you so much for listening. And oh no, now it's my turn to do the end thing. And last week you I suck at it. So do you want me to go? You. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No negativity on the kick pod. <laughs> but yes, true. Okay. You take it. You ready? Three, two, one, and go. Okay, we're waiting. No, wait. No, wait. I want to hear you present it with high energy like you told me to. Last okay, week. okay, sure. You can find us on. Well, <laughs> I don't know what that was. 
I think I did a different accent. Okay, you can find us on our website at www.keepitcleaner.com.au. You can follow us on Instagram at keepitcleaner, Steph Claire Smith and Laura.henshaw, or you can find Kick on the App Store. We love you guys and we will chat to you next week. How was that? We will. It was great. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. Okay, bye guys. (laughs) 